Hopefully I'm not too casual. I, I was wearing jandals, but they're too annoying, so I'm, I'm in bare feet. But um, as Simon said, um, my name's Mike, if we haven't met, and it's uh, it's really my privilege to be able to speak with you tonight. Um, I've been really encouraged this week, as well as freaking out, um, because uh, of some of the things that, you know, like Greg's message this morning. This is pretty much my practical application of what Greg said this morning, what Simon read out about how testifying to what God has done from what a man spoke at the back, again, his prayer, from the songs we were singing tonight, it's just like, you know one of those times when all the pieces are fitting together? And it's really reassuring to be like, okay, all right. And a conversation actually I had with a friend this week really inspired something as well. So a lot of things have just come together, and so it's my privilege. Um, but I want to open with prayer first. Dear God, tonight I want to glorify you. I want this what I share to reflect back to you and to share encouragement and to edify the body, God. This is a story about you and this is a story about your faithfulness and I pray, God, that that would shine through. I just pray, God, that my words would bring glory to you, that my life, as my life has brought glory to you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. We're really comfortable with the third day, right? We've even got a Christian rock band called Third Day. You know, the third day is, of course, when Jesus rose again. You know, we're, we're pretty, we're down with that phrase. We understand that quite, quite well. Um, let's read Luke 24, starting at 1, the first one. So Luke 24, starting at verse 1. The woman in this story are the women who were um, some of the disciples of Jesus. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb of Jesus. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? I love that phrase. Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. And they remembered his words. On the third day he rose again. And the third day has a lot of significance to us. You know, the resurrection of Jesus is pivotal to what we believe. It's not enough, you know, Jesus dying on the cross, that was also pivotal. That's that's important, that first day, him being crucified, him being arrested and tried and beaten and stripped and humiliated, nailed to a cross until he died. That that We know that very well. We're very familiar with the cross. We're also pretty familiar with the third day, the resurrection, the, the fact that Jesus resolved, that, that was resolved on the third day, that was put right on the third day, that was put back into place on the third day. You're following? The third day. And that was, so we're pretty, we're pretty down with that. What about the second day? Have you thought about the second day? There was the first day, awful atrocity with purpose. The third day rose again, put back, you know, restored, resolved, if you will, you know, like a, a minor chord being resolved or like something being put back into place, a, a, like a joint being put back into place. The third day. What the heck was the second day? 
And I'm not talking about from Jesus' perspective, but from the disciples' perspective, what was that like? I mean, could you imagine following this guy who was the Son of God, who who performed miracles, who confounded the wise with his teachings, who, you know, had a heart of compassion for the lepers and for the outcasts, um, just completely turning your world upside down, absolutely you know, incredible, following this man for three and a half years, giving your life to this man, this Messiah, and then watching him hang on a cross, die and be buried in a tomb. That second day, what would you have felt? Because the women were taking spices to the tomb. They weren't going to find an empty tomb. They were going to keep the, the burial preparations going on. Why do you look for the living among, why do you look for the living among the dead? They were looking for the dead. They were surprised to see the stone was rolled away. They were surprised. They were taking spices not to make him a meal for a living Jesus. They were taking spices for a dead body. They were grieving. They were mourning. They were not aware that Jesus had risen. They were still in that mindset of grieving and mourning. The second day. The second day was, no doubt, if I have any imagination, a time of the disciples just saying, what the... What happened? Utter disappointment, aching, aching sadness, confusion, sorrow, just tears. Why? Questions. The second day. When I was um, asking God about, you know, what to share, what to bring tonight, um, I feel like I heard him twice say, teach what you know which, you know, you'd kind of hope would be something that everyone hears. <laughs> Teach what you know. And I knew quite specifically what that meant when I heard that. Teach what you know. And so this is what I know. God is faithful on the second day. God is faithful on the second day. I had a bit of a second day. As I was growing up, um, I found myself, I was attracted to men. That put me in a bit of a second day. I, I had a very logical thought process. I was quite a logical kind of kid. And from the age of about 12 or 13, this is how it went. No, like I'm not sort of embellishing. It was more or less like this. I believe in God. I believe he exists. I believe that he created me, number two, he created me. And the fact that God created me meant that he must know me, he must know my makeup, he must know how I'm formed, he must know me and he must know what's going on. Thirdly, I believed from what I read, from what I was taught, from what I knew, homosexuality wasn't a lifestyle that God endorsed. It's about as far as I got. God exists. God created me. And that's not a lifestyle for you. I had a second day. I had questions. I had confusion. I had pain. I had what the going on in my life. This, you know, it wasn't, wasn't easy. Uh, there's a big distinction between uh, feelings which you don't choose and a lifestyle which you do choose. 
And that's a really important distinction to make. No one chooses feelings that would cause them to go against the grain of society. There are feelings that you don't choose, but there is a lifestyle that you choose. And I didn't choose that lifestyle. But it didn't make it go away. So I had a bit of a second day where I was in a, in a, in a, a place of why, in a place of what is going on, in a place where a minor chord had not yet resolved, in a place where something, a shoulder joint was still out of joint, was still out. Something had not, it was a not yet time. It was a not yet, there was, you know what I'm saying, right? And that's what a second day is. That's how I understand it. A time when things are not resolved. And that's what, how I existed for so long. And I don't know how, and I don't know why. I'm going to just say maybe people were praying for me for a long time. I don't know. Perhaps. But my heart remained soft towards God, and I don't know how. My heart stayed soft towards him, and... I just sought him. I sought God. It wasn't a case of um, my heart growing hard and just cynical and me breaking off and turning away from God. Somehow I stayed in that tension. Instead of, you know, my, you know, like I said, my heart going cold and me breaking and turning away, somehow I remained in that place for quite a while. Yeah. Um, all right. Need some notes. Joseph had a bit of a second day. We'll come back to this. Joseph had a bit of a second day. Think about Joseph. When he was 17, his brothers sold him into slavery. They threw him into a pit, they beat him up, they stole his precious robe, and they sold him into slavery. He became a household servant. He became, he, um, you know, was forced to do chores and whatnot. But God's favor was on him, and eventually he became sort of the head honcho and started running the joint until the wife of his master accused him of rape, which didn't happen, and he got thrown into prison. So then he was thrown into prison and stayed there for a number of years until he was 30. And he was released, and through a chain of events, he became prime minister, pretty much, second in charge of an entire Egyptian empire, second only to Pharaoh, from prison to that. But that was from 17 to 30 of unfairly imprisoned, unfair imprisonment sold into slavery by your brothers. And, you know, I'm sure he had a bit of a second day. You know, I'm sure he had times when he was like, what is going on? Confusion and, and <laughs> disappointment, hurt and pain. He lived in that space for a long time. What I find really awesome, um, if you turn to Genesis 41, people in the Bible seem to have this odd habit of naming their children after significant life events, which I find is probably, I'm glad that's kind of stopped now. I think <laughs> we'd have awkward names, I reckon. You know, like after a you know 48-hour labor or something. Sure. You're named, get it out of me. All right, Genesis 41, verse 51 and 52. Joseph named his firstborn Manasseh and said, It is because God has made me forget all my trouble and all my father's household. 
I imagine that's because of the pain of being sold into slavery by your father's household. It is because God has made me forget my trouble. The second son he named Ephraim and said, it is because God has made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. Ephraim actually means doubly blessed. And I love that picture because there, there again is a picture of the third day. Because our God is about the third day, he's about the resolve and the resolution and the reconciliation. But that doesn't mean we don't experience second days. When I was 16, um, I was having once again another time where I had all my Bibles out on my bed and, you know, the, the teen study Bible and the amplified Bible and the concordance and the, my trusty red journal and probably Rebecca St. James blaring on the stereo or whatever. And, and I was just once again just praying, just praying very, very earnestly. And the word that was on my heart was just healing. I really just, I, I, That was, yeah, it was, it was healing was what I was seeking. I felt broken and I felt I needed healing. And I guess I saw Jesus in the, in the, you know, gospels often healing people. And that was something he often did was this practical outworking of him healing. And so the way that I saw this was healing. And I've never been stopped by a Bible verse more than I was that night. You know, when you just sort of, you freeze when you read it. And it was James 5.16, Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. And I read that and I stopped. And it was like a fork in the road where I realized I go one of two directions here. I respond to this or I don't. And I had tried to open up a couple of times with some people, because this is a hard topic to discuss, right? You know, like, this is not, <clears throat> this is not an easy thing to discuss. You know, it's quite common for, for people to get up, you know, men to get up at church and talk about their pornography, oh yeah, or maybe a bit of drinking or whatever. This is not something that's discussed very often and it's really a difficult thing to bring up, especially in church. And so I had tried twice, um, once with a friend who was a, um, a youth leader and she had been a, a prayer leader and I wrote her a letter. She wrote a really lovely letter back and just said, hey, you know, let's meet up if, if you're keen. I couldn't do face-to-face. I was too, too scared, chickened out, nothing happened. I was 14. When I was about 15, I emailed another, another guy who was a bit older than me in my youth group and I said, hey, this is my story. I feel like you and I could, you know, help each other out and uh, he emailed me back more or less and said, sorry, I'm a bit busy. Um, now I see that as actually God's protection and providence. I can see how he actually protected me in that situation. Um, but regardless, I was very much alone in this place. And reading that Bible verse that day when I was 16 and on my bed praying for healing and then there's God saying, this is how you get healed, mate, is, so yeah, I had this, Random idea that I can't imagine. I don't know how it happened, but five days later, I was sharing my testimony at church on a Sunday night. And that was, that was 10 years ago, I realized. And I somehow managed to share this story. I put it into a third person story and I kind of, you know, told a story about Bob. And then, oh, I'm Bob. Oh, how, how original, Mike. But, um, I can't really, I, I kind of cringe when I think of it. I imagine like that wasn't 
a nice, like, wrapped up in a neat little bow kind of testimony. That was more like, <laughs> and probably like a little Bible verse at the end. And and I, you know, it's awkward to think about it. I cringe when I think about it. But at the time, what happened is that after the service, I was just surrounded by my friends, by strangers. Because funny thing is, is that usually the night service, and this was back in Fielding, there's about 30 people on a night service. That night there was a visiting church, so there's about 60 or 70. But um, I had strangers and, and friends just come and pray with me and just, just, I felt known. I felt like this, the biggest part of the pain for me was the loneliness because when you're not known, when someone, when someone says they love you and they, you know, and they're genuine, but there is something significant that they don't know about you, it's really hard to feel that they really love you or that they really know you. And being known is so powerful, and that's what happened that night. I took my testimony home that I printed, and I shared it with my parents. <laughs> um, and getting a hug from your dad after something like that, something you don't forget. And then what also happened after that was um, this this fella named Justin Valupalai became my friend. And he was a youth leader at our church at the time. And some of you might know him. Justin and Sarah um, have moved back to Christchurch, but they were here for a couple of years. And Justin and I were sort of casually friends. But after that night, he and I became closer friends. And he just kept the conversation going. Not every day, not like, how's your problems now? You know, not like that. Really just, how's it going? Just creating space for me to just dialogue. He would give me, he'd give me kind of suggestions sometimes or like stuff like, oh, I think this is how it goes, Mike. I'd be like, shut up, Justin, you know. But he just gave me space and he just kept the conversation going. And he was my best man at my wedding for very good reason. Because I made a very, very special girl. Whew. And it's not simply that, you know, everything gets wrapped up in a nice, neat little bow. It's not like that. Not for me anyway. But being known, being real, being honest, and have a bride walk down the aisle, knowing all of that, massive. So I know that God is faithful during the second day. I know that my father is a good father who gives good gifts to his children. He is faithful on the second day. Romans 8.28 says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. All things Even on the second day, all things for the good of those who love him. All things. Man, it was a painful time being so lonely, feeling so alone. But my God, thank you. My God is a faithful God and he is faithful on the second day. My God is a good father who gives good gifts to his children. This is what I know.
Matthew 7, 9 to 11. Which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? How much more will he? You know how to give your children good gifts. And you're corrupt. You're human. What about the perfect good father who loves you, who created you? He will give you good gifts. I know this. She's over there. And this is a real journey. It's a real process. It's a real time. Like it's a, for me, it's, it's, you know, it's choosing the lifestyle that God has for me. And that's what this is about. And we have an awesome marriage. Because I chose to trust God and I chose to believe in Him. That He is faithful. Proverbs 3, 5 to 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make you straight. Oop. You'll make your path straight. <laughs> Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Everything. The good, the bad, the, you know, I'm not going to say it, but that. Trust Him with everything. Everything you have needs to go to Him. You give Him all the rubbish, the good, the bad, the ugly. Lean not on your own understanding, because my own understanding would say, oh, do you know what? You were born that way, Mike. Don't fight biology. Don't lean on your own understanding. You won't know where you'll end up. In all your ways, acknowledge him. In everything you do, you must acknowledge him and commit that to him, and he will make your path straight. He will guide you. He will guide you. This is what I know. He is faithful on the second day. And this story doesn't relate to everybody. In fact, it probably relates to very few people here, if any. You know, specifically. But my encouragement is that there are times in life when you don't know and it's a not yet and it's not resolved and it's still not fixed and it's still, there are just questions. I know that. I know that time when you're just like, where is the answer? Where is the fix? Where is the, you know, (laughs) what's going on? And there will be some of you that are going through that now. And you're in a state where it's just like, not yet, or unresolved, waiting, questions. And so, if you hear anything from tonight, Hear that God is faithful in the very midst of that. He is faithful in the very midst of where you're at. And he is a good father who gives good gifts to his children. Jesus, there is none but you. We know that there is no other way. Thank you for dying and for paying the price necessary. But thank you so much for rising again, for conquering sin and death. Thank you that you are not a God just of the first day, not just of the second day, but you are a God of the third day. 
the God who puts back, the God who resolves, the God who fixes, the God who mends, the God who heals, the God who forgives. You are a God of the third day. I pray, Lord, that those who are here in in a time of confusion, chaos, questions, doubt, I pray, God, that you would encourage them. That you would build them up and that you would give them the hope. Hope, God, that you are a God who restores and who fixes and who binds up and who heals.